This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. And I love this. Go take care of yourself by going to betterhelp.com forward slash PWNA. Hey guys, you all know that we talk a great deal about mental illness and mental health on this podcast. I've shared a lot about my bouts with depression. Going back to middle school, wrote a book on it. 2019, I was suicidal for the first time in my life. And after a five month or so fight, I almost didn't make it out of the ring alive. I almost got myself Ivan Drago'd like in Rocky Four. That's kind of messed up. But I struggle, so I can joke around how I want. (laughs) I've actually shared six episodes on that story of 2019, and we'll continue for a few more segments in 2022. But today, I talked to a personal friend. I'll never forget meeting Ashley for the first time at my church. I could tell she was she was pretty distraught, and when she shared why, we immediately were connected in a way that many of us are, those who understand the extreme struggles with chronic mental illness. Here's here's what you don't know about Ashley, my Lord. She's one of the most loving and caring people I know. And I don't say that about everyone. I don't say that about my youngest son, for example. <laughs> I'm serious, though. And Ashley struggles with, I think, what you would call panic disorder. I never knew the possible extreme nature these bastards call panic attacks could be. And I've been wanting her to come on here for a while, and I'm so happy she chose to do so. So I want to say something that some of you may hear as the most cheesiest thing you've ever heard on this podcast, and that's okay. There are a lot of people right now listening to my words, and you you don't just dabble in a struggle here and there with anxiety, for example. I mean, you feel like you're a, a prisoner. You feel like the quality of your life sucks because of the quality or lack of of your brain. And so as as we... As you listen to these words that I'm saying right now, let's think about one another. Let's let's know there are millions around the world that struggle in ways that we all get it. And let's let's remember ourselves and and one another as going through a legit struggle. Like one that you deserve credit and props for getting this far. Very legit struggle. And we're all walking in our own little worlds, most of us alone in our heads, but not right now in this moment. I don't care when you hear this episode, I, God exists outside of time. So you're connected with everyone who already heard this, people who are going to listen to it tomorrow, weeks later, years later, and think about one another right now, like. We are not alone. And sometimes maybe we should access this. It's even it's even biblical. It's in there. I mean, I think Peter says something about just knowing people around the world are going through similar things. Like that truth brings us some comfort or it can. 
So we all have one another right now as you're thinking like, and let's maybe even believe skip, by the way, if, if this is a little too spiritual, just skip right on. That's fine. But maybe in the spiritual realm, some way, somehow us thinking about and maybe praying for one one another is benefiting all of us like right now. But at the very least, I'm thankful you understand me. And if you think about it, we're the only ones who do fully understand one another. So I'm thankful when you write me and you tell me that. I'm thankful for those conversations. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. So you are going to hear in a bit about a sponsor of this podcast called BetterHelp. And as someone who has made it on the other side of some major stuff and is currently at a very healthy place, Due to a lot of therapy and I'm on medications, my fear for co-sufferers is that there's help right there for the taking. Meds, therapy, diet, whatever. My fear is that some of you, you take meds, but you won't put effort in therapy, even though you know the stats say that these two are the most effective things paired together for better mental mental health. Some of you are doing therapy and you just won't put chemicals in your body. And I get it. I really do. But what if just a tiny bit could change your whole world? I mean, honestly, it doesn't matter what you do. My fear is that you could do something with relatively little effort in the grand scheme of things, and you aren't. And that you may go to your grave forfeiting a relatively easy way for your life to get a lot better. Or that you may wait another year. (laughs) That you don't have to wait. And so that's why... I think BetterHelp is so rad and why I love that I get to talk about these guys. And this isn't the ad, by the way, is I I really believe in this. Like you can literally make a few clicks and start a process that will lead you to a therapist within 48 hours. Starting a process of healing, if you haven't already, in 48 hours, like you can do something right now. If that's possible, then please, please, please do. Did you know that, and I've had a lot of experience with this, did you know that you could possibly feel tons better by Christmas? Like Christmas right around the corner. So anyway, you'll hear more about better help later and you can just make some clicks in the show notes if you don't want to listen that far. But anyway, I'm thankful for all of you. A great deal I am. I hope it's a wonderful Thanksgiving for you all and that all of us are on a way to more and more peace. So I'm very thankful right this moment for Ashley Broderick, her and her husband, Pat, sit down with me. Personal friends of mine as Ashley shares about her struggle with mental illness. Ashley, I know that I know that I know you did not run over anybody last night coming home. I have to go there where I have decided I had to decide and believe that I did not. Ashley, mommy, mommy, you did not run over anybody. I think this is pretty accurate 
in 2020, I did just a tad of research, and it says that every year up to 11% of Americans experience a panic attack, and 2 to 3% of them go on to develop panic disorder. Mm. And I guess... Ashley, what I'm curious of is when you think of what you go through and what you struggle with, who would you say is currently in your life that not necessarily understands from an experience standpoint, but they're up close and personal enough, like your husband here, Mm -hmm. that it's like, okay, this is some serious stuff. Yeah. Like how many people are in your life that they, they get it? They know how deep this goes. Um, well, I would say Pat number one is, a, is, is my safe harbor. Yeah. He's somebody that, um, you know, God put for me and for this time. Um, I would say my nuclear family, like outside of that, um, my kids are getting older. Yeah. Eddie will be 11 in December and Madeline's 14. And, um, I think they're learning, right? And um, we're very open about um, like um, just my panic and OCD right. with the children, and I think it helps them understand um, when I'm not on my A game. Yeah. Um, my sisters, um, though they don't, they can't feel it with me; they feel it for me. Right. And my mom um, would be the same way, um, but they all know their roles. Yeah. When I go down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's so the Swenson family, obviously, we all go way back with, with you guys. So y'all know what I went through two years ago. It's like there just comes a point in time when your family, they they just have to know. Mm. Like they just have to know something is going on. You know, for me, it was a very, very serious handful of months that had me out of commission out of the house and the hospital for a week. And so it was just like you can't really keep the Mm-mm. kids from that. Whereas you know, with what we're talking about today, it's just such a integral part of your life experience. It I is. mean, is that fair to say? It, it sucks to say that because it's so hard. I think for a long time, I would say it was, you know, I never, I don't know why this is my thing. Yeah. You know, and I would just resolve to be, this is my story. Right. And I think that as I've grown um, I've become a more comfortable to share that right. and more comfortable to share it to my kids yeah. because I think that though my mom was so in tuned with me um, and what was going on, mental, they just didn't know what they know now right. in the eighties, what was right. going on. I think at one point um, they thought I was allergic to chocolate. They thought like, and that was because I had an episode after having a dessert and um, my panic attacks look a lot like if I wanted to hide it, it looks like a stomach bug. Whoa. And so if I don't feel comfortable enough with you and you're not my people, then I can easily bow out because a good panic attack takes me out about three days. And that could sometimes be the shelf life of a righteous tummy bug. Gosh. And so in the eighties they didn't, they just didn't know. And so it'd be like, Oh, it must be aversion to chocolate, IBS. Um, um, motion sickness. And though I do suffer from motion sickness, I, I would say that I'm having a panic attack on the way that the minivan is where it's headed. Right. Right. I'm, I'm, this is outside of not feeling, you know, a little queasy. Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day, how I think I see our parents' generation as kind of the last generation that as a whole will never benefit from like therapy Mm -hmm. and, and just all of the, 
tons of progress that we've made. Honestly, with talk therapy, it's like a lot of that generation, they'll take medicine for stuff, but it's like therapy, nah. I mean, I don't need that. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it's, right. It's interesting. But so with, I mean, takes you out for a few days. So mm-hmm. I, I've known about your struggles in this area, but we had a conversation recently and just for, I guess, people at our church that listens to this as well as, uh, you know, just people who know my role. When we talked about this, we weren't saying anyone's names or, or anything like that, but basically you were getting some very malicious pushback, I guess, to say the least, on you being hesitant to get the vaccine. Right. And you and I were talking in in pretty good depth about this and and what you basically walked me through the process for you and your family to get the vaccine and what that would look like. And I was like, there's no way anyone could ever understand this unless you just spelled it out. But I, I mean, walk us through that. I remember. And, and you were getting heckled like on Facebook, like in front of people. It was not mm-hmm. like a mm-hmm. behind the scenes, hey, do you mind if I talk? It's blasting you from the standpoint of, you know, if my grandma dies and, you know, there's, or if my grandma gets it and there's no room in the ICU, it's your fault. I mean, things like that. I mean, just. Right. right. Yikes. I, um, so preparing this morning, just my heart and just the openness of today, I remember thinking, you know, that was my last panic attack. And yeah. A lot of times with my therapist, um, and she's a household name to yeah. all of our family. She's a rock star. And um, Pat actually found her 14 years ago postpartum with Madeline. He knew I'm not equipped. I need professional wisdom right. to walk right. my wife through this, which is outstanding. That right. I would be from six to 26 yeah. with no... Um, professional help right you know right zero just doing it the best i could as hard as i could right poker face that was slowly starting to fade in certain areas in different seasons like i could not poker my way through it right um 20 years starting at at six like obviously yeah i obviously want to get into that but go ahead go ahead with what you're saying so that day i called um we had come on the other side COVID had entered our house and thankfully um we did you know great and the boys never got sick and um stuff like that and Madeline didn't feel well but we you know we we did what we could do for our bodies and take care of ourselves and I was I am a feeler and so I was sometimes um I started to retreat at first second third phone calls as they and I think it's curiosity but people right. just want to know um was did Malin get the vaccine? And I right. think what you meant to say is Malin doing okay? Do right. you guys need anything? Right. Um, and I was getting busted about that. Right. And then obviously um, social media and stuff um, was taking me down to uh, the dark side. And what I was trying to convey and what I needed that day when I called you as I remember sitting outside of my daughter's piano practice and I remember thinking, I'm sicker right now than any one day than COVID was in our house. Yeah. Madeline obviously tested positive for COVID. I did not, but I was physically feeling it with her, but I still felt good. And so though I, I didn't have it, um, that day, I I didn't know that that day, um, that I called you, I started to panic, like the responsibility, nobody could love James Allen more than me. Right. 
I mean, I really believe that. Right. I would never do anything to ever hurt or jeopardize this community. Um, my entire family lives on this community. Right. And right. that goes as far as my 97 yeah. year old grandfather. Right. That's important to me. Right. And um, I started to unpack it that day on the phone with you. And what I was trying to say was why is 2021 eating me alive? But 2020, I did okay. Right. But there was some stuff then. Right. And wouldn't it have been safe? To walk it with the rest of the world yeah. of the unknown and the what if. I mean, a what if is a natural commentary between right. my two ears every single hour. Right. Every hour right. of every single day. Right. And so the one thing that I, that I talked to with my therapist was I was, she was wondering in herself too, why is Ashley sicker today? Madeline's fine. Right. Nobody else got it in our home, you know, though I had already, I had thought I got it, but convinced myself, but um, nobody else got it. We, we fared well. We did great. Why, why can't she be in the gratitude of that, right. you know? And what she was explaining to me was, and I think I was trying to tell you in the broken that I called that day, was she said, I think your OCD was being f- fueled. Um. You want me to wash my groceries outside? Perfect. Cool. Right. You want me, at the time we were living in an apartment while we built our home, and you want me to clean this apartment where you could perform heart surgery? Done. Like, those are OCDs that, like, was fueling me. It was right. like an uh, the energy from it I was okay with. Right. I got it. Check. You want me to take supplements up to, God, $300 a month? Perfect. Done. This, right. this speak of my love language. Like, all the things. And now... I don't have that same confidence with it. Right. Um, now I look back and I, and I, and although I'm doing the things, I start to feel scared. And then that, that brings in the what if. Um, one thing that we talked about was I know you, there's so many of my friends have often shared, you know, um, with COVID and the, and have, you know, the necessity for their family to get the vaccine. You know, I have to do it. I'm worried about, um, you know, God, what if I give it to my mom? You know, what right. if the kids give it to our our parents, these grandparents? And um, and I don't say this to be ugly, but I think that so many times, my whole life, I've wondered if my mom would die. Right. I mean, I, I've always... I've, so the scenarios in 2020 and 2021 where some of my friends, this was a new language to them. Right. I'm... I'm, come on over. Right. Water's warm. Right. I've been here for right. 30 years. I mean, come on. Tell, tell <laughs> what you you have like a particular scenario when you know that your mom is at the grocery store to where <laughs> the guy there knows you when you call. And In basically, the 90s, he knew, Mr. Easterby. I would call and I would ask. Um, so this is when you knew that your mom was at the grocery store. Correct. And you would call and ask her what aisle because you'd be able to figure out in your head. How much longer she had. And you just, you, what, how would you describe that? It was because you could not bear the unknown of whether or not she's still breathing. We were promised. Yeah. By, um, my real dad that he would take her out. Yeah. So forever in my life until he passed away, that was a promise that I never knew he would make good on. So when 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 I hear that is is it an obvious thing to say that 
what you struggle with is probably a combination of situational and a genetic disposition or? I was diagnosed with OCD and panic attack disorder. Most of the medicines that we had tried a lot of time were therapeutic and stuff that it would take daily. And the way that um, our psychiatrist had um, explained it to Pat and I was that I am the poster child for Xanax. Like this is, it is on the onset of it coming. This is your rescue med. And there's no reason to try to, um, you know, muster through it anymore. Like this would be what you would need. Right. Now I do know that as I change and, and grow older and hormones and all the things that I am open to what that would look like. But I do think that what we do to keep me mentally in check and in sound is, um, you know, obviously my church family is so important um, and um, working out. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's part of like my design. Um, I have just need to do that. Yeah. That would not be um, something that we would try to skimp on. And then I also am a kid's yoga teacher by um, trade. And I love that as a missional mindset. I think things would have been a lot different if Ashley had met yoga at eight. Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's not like an in-between of taking just enough to where it subsides your nerves, but it doesn't. It will. A half will. Yeah. yeah. And I can hang. And if it's in the one time that I will run to it will be at night because it's, yeah. I mean, it, it messes up everybody's sleep, sleep yeah. schedule. Yeah. But um, yeah, because I, I want to sleep. Yeah. And I want it to, be, I want that to, to be able to. Yeah. And I know hot spots. Like I know going into this season where this, um, I, I laugh about it like Olaf, like I want summer to just stay forever. Right. I don't care. I don't need pumpkin spice and right. all the things I love. Um, I, I have ever a, need pumpkin spice. <laughs> <laughs> I worry. Um, I have a little bit of PTSD um, when the f- seasons change. I right. don't like that feeling. Right. And, um, and so that it's there for yeah. that as well. And sometimes it's placebo. Like I just know it's there. Yeah. And if I can, if I can make it through, then I do. And if I can't, then I'll take it. Yeah. So the vaccine situation, like what what were the things that you're processing and dealing with that, and I'm putting this in quotes, normal people would not be thinking about that you were basically torturing yourself with thoughts of? For reasons that make it hard for me to do it? Yeah. Um. Like, in other words, it's not like you're just this anti-vacciner that just says this whole thing is a hoax and the medicines, you know, you're not that category. So walk walk someone through just why it's such a big deal. And it's not just a simple decision for you. It's not. And it's, it makes, um, it's people with panic and specifically OCD, if they can't, retrain their brain to know that they are confident in their, um, all of their decisions. Um, you know, OCD just, um, makes that difficult. And whenever I make decisions, I remember just as a young mom, um, wishing that I could be more confident about every decision I made regarding the children. And, um, and then with my panic, I have this, like, a it's this resounding feeling. Um, I wish I didn't. I mean, I just wish I did it. And, and that is incapable of, of being retracted in situations like that. And so I think with medicine and the vaccine, um, I am painfully aware 
if I want it out, it's impossible. And if I have an adverse effect with it, I'm going down mentally. And it's going to take a little bit longer than three days to crawl myself back out of that. Right. And though I know that and what it is given, and I will never, ever, ever clown anybody or front anybody. This is just who's got Friday off, Saturday, Sunday, Monday as well, right. to walk me through that. Right. Because I'm going to tell you, the situations that I will make up in my brain and what will have happened to me or one of my children because of it, mostly because I've probably been... I don't even know, privileged yeah. to see the other side of some people not having such a good experience. And it could be something as tragic as death that I've been able to read about. And I do not try to sit down there and read all the negative about it. But though I have, and with my own two eyes, seen that, yeah. that's going to hold on to me. Then I've seen the ones where they're just so sick from it. And then I'm like, well, I showed COVID who was boss. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. So I'm just trying to figure out if I can get to that place and it not be shoved down my throat. And I've never in my life made any health decision where Jennifer Aniston is giving me the green light. Right. I'm going to need somebody just to back up just for a second and let me pony up to something that I do believe that the healthcare people have the, our best interests at heart. Right. But let me get there to believe that because right. when you don't believe it, I don't believe it. Right. I mean, he can look at me and say, with a surety, I know that I know that I know you lock the door. I know you lock the door. I right. have to go. I have to go check the door. Right. I know that I know that I know nobody is in the side yard, Ashley. I can tell nobody. I have to go look and right. see because I believe right. they are there. Yeah. Ashley, I know that I know that I know you did not run over anybody last night coming right. home. I have to go there where I have decided I had to decide and believe that I did not. Yeah. Yeah. Ashley, mommy, mommy, you did not run over anybody. Right. At Aunt Jessica's house leaving Sunday dinner. Right. I have to turn I have to turn around. This is now that my kids have been entered into this world now because I can't hide it anymore. I can't right. turn on baby Einstein and do the one more loop in the minivan to clear my brain, to clear my heart, to tell my conscience the road is safe. Right. They're older now. Right. They're wondering why we turn around. Yeah. And so now I'm just inviting them in. I, Eddie, I have to know. Right. I believe that I might have and I have to know. Right. So imagine it won't the pain go away it. otherwise. It's, it's impossible, Joey. Right. It, now, now would your therapist it. say that in your case, because you really struggle with this and off the charts, that that is the best thing is just to do whatever it takes for you to feel at ease or it, would there be a better way? Because I know exactly, I don't struggle near to the degree of you, but one, one of them that sticks in my mind that will still get me sometimes is when I'm in bed and I'm all relaxed and I feel like you got to go check on the kids and it's like, ah, they're fine. Uh, you just, you're going to, you're going to regret it if you don't do it and something, you know, is the matter with them tomorrow. So that one actually will still get me sometimes. And it's like, look, it's probably not the best thing right now for me to basically be obedient to this anxious impulse, but it's either that or I'm going to be up for two hours <laughs> rolling around in bed like I should probably just get up. So it's uh, I'm telling you, you 100%. Know? Yeah. Like, is it better to use your instinct to say, no, I would have had to turn the coffee maker off? Like, I know my... Right, I know my physical and I can do that habits, more now. and yeah. I don't remember because, like, I mean, 
I could drive from Virginia to here, six hour drive. Right. And I don't remember any of the drive. Right. Really. Right. But you didn't hit anything. Right. And you didn't die. Yeah. And you made it. Right. Yeah. But you don't remember it. So you turn that coffee pot off every day. Right. Even though your hand did it and you don't remember. Yeah. It. So is it better for a healing process to go back and say, it is off? Or to wait from until you come home from work and say, it is off. I right. did turn it off. Now I don't have to go back and turn around tomorrow. Right. Because I, I, I'm sure I did. Right. Yeah. And I think a therapist would probably say the latter. And I'm I'm like, it's, easy, it's easier said than done. You know? But yeah, I mean, wouldn't you agree? Probably the best way to battle this would be to not do it. But it just, I can vouch. It feels impossible. I... When I talk to you and other people that struggle at this level, it's interesting. It's like, I feel like with my struggles with depression and there's some OCD in there, but almost feels like the irrational thinking and OCD stuff is mine's like a hurricane. It's kind of spread out. It doesn't get super, super specific and wipe me out for, you know, three days, obviously 2019 being a different category like that wipe me out for, for months, but I was talking to a girl and I mean, it gets so specific as she was uneasy about her husband walking her sons out on a pier. Now this pier, when it's low tide, we're talking nothing but mud high tide. We're talking maybe knee deep. So no possible chance of a toddler even drowning, but she literally, and I was in a counseling session with them. And as she's saying this tears rolling down her eyes, she says, I literally am convinced that if he drops one of them, I'm never going to get them back. All right. So this podcast has a new sponsor, Better Help. You guys have heard my story. If not, hey, I'll put some links in the show notes because I've been telling my story. And part of my story is the role my therapist has played in my life. Her name is Jackie. So for you Star Wars fans, I call her Obi-Wan Kajaki. And let me tell you this, that therapy with her literally saved my life. And that's why I am very proud of our new sponsor for this podcast. So think about it. Without a healthy mind, being like happy and at peace is hard, man. But the good news is I'm a living example of how therapy works. And it's crazy. I've had even pastors come up to me and say, hey, what what, what goes on in a therapy session? What's therapy? <laughs> well, it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated at the moment and would like tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work. You're not dealing with well with stress. So whatever you need, it it's really time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and just Go try to start feel better because it's, you just got one life, man. So you deserve to be happy for this life. If it's out there, go grab it. And so now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapy near you to help, which saves tons of time because we're all so busy, man. You live in a crowded city. You've got like therapy appointment that's 50 minutes to an hour, but you got the drive time there and back. And golly, that can be a huge time commitment, but not with better help. You can do that at the comfort of your own home, receiving therapy, sitting on your couch. And it's also customized online therapy with video, phone, and live chat sessions options. And so you don't have to even be seen on the camera if you don't want to. 
And what's crazy is all of this is more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can start communicating with a therapist within 48 hours. And this is insanely awesome, y'all, because depending on where you live, this 48-hour thing is a lifesaver. When I had my mental health crisis, my dear wife was trying like anything to get me in to see a therapist, and they were all booked for a month. And I needed help right then and now. So join the millions. Millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is all about. It's always good to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset when it comes to your mental health. So here's the deal. The podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and listeners of Pastor With No Answers get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com forward slash P-W-N-A. I love this. Go take care of yourself. That's betterhelp.com slash P-W-N-A. But she literally, and I was in a counseling session with them, and as she's saying this, tears rolling down her eyes, she says, I literally am convinced that if he drops one of them, I'm never going to get them back. Mm-hmm. And that just mm-hmm. stopped me dead in my tracks because I was like, but you know they're going to be okay. And she's like, no, that's Mm -mm. the problem, Mm -mm. is I think that I may not get them back. Correct. Like, when you are outside of that paradigm of thinking that's linked to OCD, are, are there times in life where you're like, I know that's irrational, I know that's illogical, but in the heat of the moment, I don't. 100%. Yeah. And I think a lot of times with some of my friends who I was feeling a little tone deaf with in the recent year, specifically the recent month, I think that a lot of times some of my OCD is is humorous, you know, because I can retell it and laugh about it with a healthy mind. Yeah. But if you're there, I mean, Pat will say, like, even just her eyes look different. It it is very real to her. And she is convinced. And, um, and it, I mean, there's there. I cannot not believe that. That right. is my truth. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, a, a, a way more simplistic, obviously not dangerous scenario, but all too true for me is I've literally, I I can get anxious about the house being unorganized and things out of place and everything, and I'll literally walk out in the garage, and I mean, it just, it gets to kind of a boiling point to where I'm so irritated, and I could kick something, I just hate how the garage is, it's all out of place, the kids put something in there they should have known better, I told one of them to take recycling out, and it's still sitting there, I could walk out in the garage four hours later, without the anxiety and be like, oh, it's a paradise out here today. Correct. Like just completely different. And so over time, and again, I don't have the dips that you have when it comes to the panic, but over time, I'm able to basically say to myself, okay, these are anxious feelings. I don't like them, but I know these are feelings that aren't really linked into reality. But to this day, there are times when I'm still tricked and like i said mine aren't as bad as yours but right. i'm still convinced that something in my life is a lot worse than than what it really is right right you know, so it um yeah it came to a head after madeline um my first panic attack um 
postpartum. And then just the flood of that just was way too much. And I did use a lot of that, um, the pain of that, like just communicating it to Pat. And then he's a new dad and he's trying to, you know, we're all on maybe sleeping three hours accumulative, you know, right. and he's just like, whoa. And I don't think he realized. And then he quickly caught up like it's, this is way bigger. Um, so that's when you started realizing Pat, that this is like a major deal. We all right Madeline, after Maddie. Madeline yes. Was, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And that, and those were the thoughts that were so illogical, but so, um, prevalent right you know i will never choose to leave this life um but the three things that would that would mull over all the time like i'm what were the three what were things that would take me away from her permanently well death so as you know always super conscious like be safe and careful you know much like the story of the peer you know that's it's it's irreversible right you know i you know um i'm arrested <laughs> i would be removed from her um, or she would be kidnapped right. and to the point where, and that's where part of the postpartum psychosis came in where we had to stop using the baby monitor because right. I would convince myself and audibly hear um, people right. come in to get her. Right. People coming in. So not, not her coughing in a way that bothers you, but literally people coming in. Mm -hmm. We would be separated permanently from Madeline and Pat. My biggest nightmare it would be of those that would be one of those three scenarios yeah and then once you're well you laugh about it and you're like oh it's fit for a lifetime movie i mean if they need anything any extra material for any of those shows i've got it all here right <laughs> for them um because i can create narratives that are you know fit for a movie scene yeah yeah so if that was around the time pat you were thinking oh my gosh this is this is a really big deal like before that had 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 she just not had any like major off the charts sorts of panics because uh, i know you, it started at six but she just went through a time in life where it wasn't anything that bad and then when that happened you're like oh my not gosh. that i remember panic per se like actual like anxiety or fear yeah i guess um because without another, you know, without children and things like that, I guess there wasn't, I mean, I know she was, you know, she wouldn't like it if she lost me or something like that. But, um, I mean, I remember a few times in our relationship where I felt like she, maybe she was being irrational. Yeah. 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 Like even early on, like before we were married, like right. when, when I was living out on Folly and we were just kind of going through the, you know, the dating kind of, um, just everything, just dating life and everything. Like right. I felt like there was a couple of times where like her, her mood or her, like, I don't know, like it would shift and I wouldn't understand why, right. why we were here. Right. You know, and I'm not, I'm not saying I was always the level headed one. I was right. just saying, but that kind of thing more than like, I saw like a fear of losing something. Yeah. There's been a few times where it's been exhausting, but I would never quit and I would right. never throw in the towel and you know, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, so Ashley, I think that I almost had a panic attack. And so this was, this was literally right before I took my nosedive into deep depression and anxiety in 2019. So I was off my medication. I was still working and I felt like there were a couple of things that revealed itself like 
right around the same time, like people stuff, people issues. And I knew I needed to call one of them right away. And then there was someone else I think was upset about something normal, normal stuff that wouldn't typically bother me, but it was almost like all of a sudden I felt completely overwhelmed. And it's like, I felt it was, it was almost like something coming over me that maybe because it was a first, it almost felt demonic it just felt so bad and i always use the word yucky it sounds like a two-year-old but it just felt oh what is this and to the point where i feel like i didn't go all the way but i was traumatized by those initial feelings of feeling like something was i was losing some sort of control over something and so because it was such a unique experience, I talked to my therapist and she said, that's probably what it was. But six years old, like what what in the world happened? I mean, that's a long time ago to be able to recall all the details, but your first time and you, you've got, I mean, did you even have enough years on you to be able to process something's the matter with me? Um, I don't think that you forget it. And right. I do think that it is one of those that marks a memory. Um, so what I just described, does that sound like that? It sounds like it. Yeah. I mean, it. Um, it's things that are completely out of your control. The yeah. whole world is not stable. And for a six-year-old, it's supposed to be. Right. Um, and, you know, I think as parents, we live to create that safe space um, for our kids that they never have to go into fight or flight. Um, and I had to quickly go into fight or flight. Um, and that day, I mean, I don't really remember my first airplane ride. I don't remember my first field trip. I don't remember the first day of first grade. Most of the things, um, you know, I, that maybe people experience in this, you know, but I remember what I was doing, where I was standing, what was going down. And I mean, and it was childhood trauma the day that it happened. And so it would be very likely that anybody would have the same experience because of the unsettleness and the unrest that was currently going on with domestic violence in our home. Right. Any child would, this would either, they would either a probably block it out completely because it would be somewhat of a coping mechanism to never revert back to that day. But for me, it was an outward expression of what was happening in the inside of fear and OCD. And then it took root. And I had a lifetime of trying to figure out why I run so high and so wound up and so nervous and not even just for my own self. I mean, a lot of times though I am, you know, very open and honest and on point with all of my doctors, my primary care, my OB appointment, all the things like I, you know, I want to live a healthy and safe life and, and stuff like that. I don't feel like I'm reckless with my own health, mm-hmm. but I worry for everybody else. Yeah. And that day that's when it, it, I mean, it took root and I never could, could shake it. A lot of times people, um, so the, di- when you say that you're, you're saying the disorder took root that day, like when it happened, it just kind of, I like can't implanted fix any itself. of this. I can't, I can't, I can't do that. I, I, the ship is going down. It's sinking. I, who, what can I do? And, um, and I'm six and I've got a four year old I have to take care of. She's got, I got to keep her safe. I mean, it was responsibility of pain and, right. and, and, just 
And so what does it look like physically? You're hyperventilating, you're balled up into mm-hmm. a little ball on the floor. Are you yeah. at school when this happens? Are you on the way to the bus stop? I mean, like what's right. what's going on in that little girl's body? Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, she sought refuge. Um, and um, my grandparents um, built a house. Um, I don't even know how long. He's 97. He's been on JI forever. Yeah. And his sister-in-law and brother-in-law lived next door. And when I ran next door to escape um, my parents who were fighting, I was at my Aunt Nell's house. And initially, I laid down. I don't feel good. I don't feel good. And I was panicking. And then that's when the involuntarily, I mean, just throwing up. You can't stop. I mean, I remember trying to make it safely to her bathroom and but then consciously is that normal for other people or is that like major, major panic Mm -hmm. uh, attacks where people are throwing up? Is that, is that normal or you don't know? I really don't know. I mean, it seems like in all the stories and support groups that I've been a part of that I'm, I sound a little different in my physical response. I mean, I think some of them retreat. The depression is an outlier that comes because of a panic. And then, the ones that you hear a lot in some people's adult life is they've gone to the ER because they are committed that they're having a heart attack because the heart palpitations. I have that. And I have like the breath where, I mean, you know, I mean, it's all of that, but the outward expression, I would say the most, uh, you know, crazy part of a side effect is, is, you know, I'm going to the bathroom or throwing. I mean, it is, it is like an outward an inward expel of what I'm feeling. It's almost like my body is rejecting this feeling of doom. Golly. I mean, and it is not something that I can even pretend because it's a physical thing. It's happening to me. You know what I mean? So does your therapist just say you just ride it out? Well, uh, well, I mean, that would be, I mean, especially if we can get, you know, a rescue med in, that is absolutely the time that we would take it. And then, um, breath work is so important. One reason that segue me into, you know, children's yoga. Um, so yeah, so that day, um, it was Christmas Eve. And so the next day you can see in pictures, there's one me laying down on the couch, much like your kids would look like today with a saltine cracker, maybe beside the bed, the couch table and a glass of ginger ale, because that's, she's not eating. I got to give her something. And, just trying to, you know, you're physically exhausted. I mean, think about, I mean, you're, you get rid of everything, right? but for hours, you know? So the event has stopped. The heart has stopped. The mind cannot pretend what it, and even block out what it saw or what it's experiencing, but your body still feels, if you can still remember the feeling of a stomach bug and right. that's what you look like and that's what you feel like. Right. Right. Golly. So nowadays, if you feel something coming on, can you stop it half the time, 75% of the time, 25% of the time? And what's it, what's it feel like? And can you see it coming on? Like, do you, are you ever like, oh, shoot. I can see the situation. Like, I can predict if a situation's going to do that. Yeah. You know? Because we had a thing in our neighborhood a couple weeks ago where our neighbor kind of had an episode, but... So I figured that that would be a trigger. Yeah. You know, I can see the trigger events coming. And I, but sometimes she surprises me and yeah. maybe they're not kind of what I thought or sometimes they're shorter or maybe it's just a kind of a weird rest of the day. But when hers comes on, it's still, you know, it's 
she's got a lot. She's got to keep going. She's got like, you know, kids need homework done. She, you know, it's like, and I can't do all of it perfectly. Right. right. You know? So it's like, I think it's just her fear of sometimes like, you know, she's like, if she has one, I think some, and maybe it's good. Maybe yeah. it's good that she's got a lot to do. And she's like, you know, I don't, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, I don't have time for this right now. Satan right. back up, right. you know? You know, but it's like, if we let her, you know, and we do, I mean, sometimes, you know, you'll be like, I just got to lay down for a while. I'm like, okay. Right. You know, and sometimes she just doesn't need me to sit there and like tell her everything's okay. Cause her counselor told her a long time ago, you could tell her that a hundred times today, but why does she have to believe you? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Even though you're right. Right. You know, um, she doesn't have to believe you yeah. about that. She's got to make that right. mind up for herself. Right. right. And so you're, you're starting to feel it. And you're starting to think, oh, I'm not going to be able to reel this in. Mm-hmm. So what's the next six hours like? Just Is there a buildup and then you end up not being able to hold stuff down? Mm-hmm. What's it look like? Days, I mean. Is Looks there... like a marathon. You know, when yeah. you run a marathon and you're exhausted. The fatigue. Um, I remember, um, thankfully, you know, Pat was super concerned um, as as he was, you know, just trying to, be like a good support system. And I remember my therapist, um, telling him, you know, so she can't, I mean, she physically can't eat. Think about if you had a stomach bug, like you, you, yes, the toast is nice. Thank Like I, I literally can't chew it, but we had come to the conclusion that I could drink anything. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times he would bring home like, um, I mean, this was 14 years ago and he would bring home like the inshores and just so I could get a little bit of, and those, this is, I mean, this postpartum and like postpartum psychosis and the things I was going through, I mean, it lasted a long time. I mean, this is like almost getting punched in the face every single day with a new fear and a new attack, or I'll pick up Monday's fear for Friday. I mean, it just, I did not have the reserve or the ability in, um, to get through it. And that was definitely with medicine to see right. myself through that. Um, but I think that now they are fewer and far between. And I've learned so much with Ms. Dolores, my therapist, and how she has been able. So what she did is once I got myself out of that first year of brand new mommyhood, she would, even if I was not seeing her, I would have to text her and I would tell her like I had an attack today. And it was like the most... I mean, literally like the, the best resource anybody has ever given me ever, ever, ever given me. But what she did for two years is she would mark my attacks, but she also had my menstrual cycle as well. And what she, and she would just mark them. And I don't know, you know, what category and how she used it, but the next time we would, we would catch up. Number one, I didn't have to always reflect to her when the last one was, I mean, I could say to you today, the very last one was the day I called you, Right. but I know that, um, I know that with her in the beginning, while she was, you know, striking while the iron was hot, there was so much going on. She could reflect back to certain days and remind me, right. I would like to go back to Wednesdays and stuff like that. So our, our sessions were, um, you know, just on point and stuff like that. But as they started to be longer distances in between, she was starting to chart them. And as she charted them, she said to me, she says, Ashley, I'm going to tell you, and it is over years now that I've been watching your attacks. She says, it is premenstrual. It is the week before your period. You are the most fragile based on this data, the week before your period. Wow. And having that information and just knowing, because sometimes I don't know. I mean, I know my triggers, but I also don't know 
of family emergencies ahead of time. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, those are things that, that can take me out. And so, but to know going into life, monthly regimen, just to kind of know, right. like, be easy with yourself this week, right. you know? Right. This is not, I mean, you can, this is not the week where I'm going to like do a girl's night. Right. You know, that I need my sleep. I don't need alcohol. I right. need to take care of my body. I mean, it really is. And I just thought, what a gift she gave me right. that day. That's huge. Another thing that she did for me is she is um, amazing. And I never heard of it before. I mean, grew up in a Baptist church and, um, you know, I don't know, being at Seacoast and just trying to live out more of my faith and have like more of a worship experience. But she it gave me this gift one day and it was... Um, Right before Jessica and Josh got married, I remember we were headed to their house, um, and she prayed for me the day that I had my first attack. Because she said, you know, God is omniscient, He's everywhere. He's in 1986, and He's today, and He's yesterday, and He's tomorrow, and He's everywhere. And there's no concept of time with Him, that that's where He is. And He's in that space, and He was there, and I don't think you believe that. And I did feel abandoned that day, because the it was so bad. And she did this intercessory prayer where she prayed me all the way through every single event that day until I ended up at my aunt's house next door. And whether the picture to somebody else could be comfort, it really was comfort for me. Right. And what she prayed me through is between the magnolia tree and all the way to my aunt's house that he was there. And he actually, I was able to visualize him walking me to a safe zone. Wow. And for so many years, I was alone, and not only was I alone, I had Jessica with me to take care of. Yeah, and that helps me decide to know that. I think that's why after having the children, and and that I've always been mothering. Right. You know, Whitney is one of my sisters, and she reminds me all the time. She's like, "I'll never forget the day you walked into kindergarten. You're in the fifth grade. I'm in kindergarten. We've been dropped off. It's been hours since we've been there." And you, I had convinced myself that she didn't have any pencils. Oh wow! And from the fifth grade hallway to the kindergarten hallway, I had to. I never knew this, Joey. She just told me this last week. You don't even I remember had doing to this? go. I don't even remember. I had to go into kindergarten, speak, ask permission, which is I was very shy. And not really shy, just kind of quiet. Right. And but to get the permission to get to the hallway to ask the teacher to speak to Whitney to see if she has pencils. Yeah. Because if that's something that I could take and prepare for her, then I would rather be unprepared in my room and her be prepared. Right. So this this could kind of be a sad question. Is there anything that you think along the lines of if I didn't struggle in this way, I would do more of fill in the blank or I would live my life differently like is there anything that this actually you feel robs you robs you from i don't know i think that i think sometimes it can it robs memory banks yeah you know yeah. there's songs and videos of the children and i can watch and i look at them with different eyes than pat Right. You know, he sees he sees the carousel that the children sit in, you know, like it assists them, you know, and it's like 360 with toys all the way around. And he can watch an old home video and he's like, oh, my gosh, look at Maddie. Look at what she was doing. And like the literal sound of that mobile is so scary to me. And I know exactly what I felt like. Exactly. Just takes you back. Huh? I, I know how sick I was that day. God. And those, I think that's what it robs is yeah. 
memory bank. Right. It, it's tainted with like, you know, I can see outfits that Eddie was in and right. I'm like, oh God, that was a bad day. Oh, wow. So it's not necessarily robbing you of your memories, but the beauty of them. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. 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 I think it, um, we've had that experience a couple of times and I wish that I saw it the way he saw it. Like I wished I saw that day in right. the backyard at my parents, but I firmly know how sad I was that right. day and I barely made it through. Right. Suicide. Has there been times when you have gotten to a place where you're just like, I just, I don't think I can do this anymore and you've contemplated or there's just been times in the back of your head. Yeah. Um, Cause I know for me, I had lived through times where I definitely, if I had a choice, I would choose, but it was like, I can't make that choice. I love my family too much. But two years ago I was in uncharted territory where I was convinced that there just wasn't any way out. I think that's why a lot of people, they think when someone commits suicide, such a selfish act. I used to think that too, but it's like, no, they actually thought there was no way out sort of thing. Is that something that you encounter? And if so often or what? Um, I think as I've grown and gotten healthier and more comfortable that this is part of my story, it has helped me in mothering you know, with the children and seeing some things, um, you know, that I want to be, you know, transparent with them and maybe open with their friends and just hopefully it not be in vain, you know, this thorn. Um, but definitely, yeah. Sometimes where it's like the quality of life and it just feels not intended. I mean, this is just cannot be right. I mean, this is as good as it gets. And this, I'm, (laughs) this is, this is not fun for me. This is not fun for these people in my, in my life. And, um, you know, I think that, um, it is hard to even say out loud today. Um, but to be honest, I would say, yes, it seems to me, um, not so much like I can't do this anymore, but like they would be so much better if like, I mean, this is a lot Mm -hmm. for somebody to have to deal with. And then when the tunnel is that dark, probably around and and it was after both of the children with you know we we kind of were prepared with having Eddie um that this could happen but um in between Madeline and Eddie you know I suffered um I lost two children uh, miscarriages and it it wrecked me mm-hmm. and I remember um because I just wanted a house full that's what it, you know but I remember thinking after having Eddie and just being gifted another chance at um at growing our family, it, it I don't remember um, really rooming in those thoughts that much, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, because I, I was feeling a little bit more hopeful of God's design for our family. Right. But there was definitely like a season, like in 07, 08, 09, right. as we were just eagerly trying and um, not, you know, yeah. just with, uh, you know. Yeah. And, and those, those were bad. I mean, I would say... Um, and losing both of um, those pregnancies, um, it would have been 100% impossible, though he's a rock star and knows exactly how and kind of what to kind of like fill in the gaps in between my fallouts. Um, the small group that I was in with um, on Tuesday nights at Deborah Floyd's house, right. I mean, they really like kind of carried that yeah. and learned a lot through like my experiences, like um, what it means to kind of rally. Right. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, because, and, and I, and I really do think that this, when it comes down to it, people don't understand suicide and what it feels like because I think a lot of people can imagine, oh my gosh, this is too hard. This is, this is way too much for me to endure. But what a lot of people haven't also felt is, and it's never going to go away. Yeah that's when you're done in because you're like, okay, well, I'm paralyzed right now. Is it really practical to be like this for the rest of my life? Like, right. is that really going to be good? And I, yeah, I, and I think that's what a lot of people, because I think Pat said, like sometimes when you're in the, in the depths of despair from a panic attack, you're like, am I going to get out of this? Because right. it just feels like maybe I'm not. I mean, that's what I was worried about with my depression. It's just like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to get better. Right. What are some of the, the, and I'll try to be nice, but ignorant things that people have said to you that have, it's either come away spiritually dumb or maybe judgmental. And obviously when it's coming from friends or people that love you, it's with good intentions, but just gone awry <laughs> big time. Like I'm sure you have Christians saying, well, uh, Ashley, when those feelings come, you just have to rebuke them in the name of Jesus. <laughs> have you heard that oh, one before? Totally. Them. <laughs> totally. Totally. And I'm, I, I am not making fun of those no. people. We need those people. We need those, those faithful people, but it sure as hell is not good for people like you and I to hear. <laughs> no, I mean, because some of the, I mean, I, yeah, I've definitely, definitely experienced that. And then that's oftentimes when I see, um, and I'm, I feel like I feel people really well. Like I right. think I'm a, like I can just, I don't know, I can just feel the space and feel, I don't know, just like kind of a reader. And I feel like there's times where um, in some experiences, I know that this is not, a safe place. I'm a totally pull the tummy bug card and mm -hmm. I'm out because right. they're, this is not going to be received. They don't right. understand. Right. This is not theirs to cross to bear. This is mine. I got to go. You know, um, there's sometimes where, you know, people that are my community and my, you know, that rally, you know, sometimes their life is, they got a lot, you know, so they like, I, I, so I think I do a really good job and I'm pretty perceptive of like kind of my people, Right. You know, and so when I have come to the place and he's got to work and he's, you know what I mean? Like, and I just need to be able to find a safe zone. Like I know kind of what everybody's doing and how to like approach that. You know what I mean? Like right. I know, um, and this doesn't put anybody in a hierarchy of like friendship base or mm -hmm. sisterhood. You know what I mean? Like yep. there's so many people that wear so many cool hats with our family that we, we love, but I, I definitely can, can feel like she cannot pick that up right now. Like right. I am not well um she you know so i'll i'll figure this out but um the comments don't ever like hurt me or, or you know i think as i've matured and understood like they just don't get it nor would i get any of their you know if it's not my right. thing you know and so i definitely think it's um, something that is just exposure and more talk and kind of like we're doing today um, that has often really expanded the ability to communicate with people. Right. And so though it just may be situational and like today, I just don't feel like letting it all hang out with right. you. Um, I think the world and social media and just life in general has like opened that circle 
so much more and open right. the eyes to so many more people that though they might not know what I'm, they cannot say, well, me too. Like, gosh, right. I totally do that when the news comes on or me right. too. I freak out every time I leave the doctor's office. Like they can't me too with me, right. but they are, they're like listening. Right. Like, oh my gosh. Right. Like I, tell me more. Like, what right. does that feel like? Right. Like when you leave the pediatrician and this right. is, and then there's an unknown and you've got to go to a specialist and blah, blah, blah. Like, right. you know, I can't, I can look at the things that I have to do because I have to do them. But sometimes when I unpack them and I have created a narrative that is either could potentially happen or not potentially happen. Right. It is, they are just like, I would have never. Right. Wow. Yeah. And a, a lot of a lot of times, what I do get, and it is honestly in love. Um, a lot of times, like, oh, you must be exhausted, right? Right. Wow. Right. You know, they're almost shocked. I mean, it, it, you know, and I do think by nature, I'm a good storyteller as a teacher, and too, and I think I can get, I can take them there, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I'll end. Does, it. does that does does that feel affirming? Like, is that a kind thing for someone to say to you? Like, man, you you must be exhausted, or is is it taken a different way? No, I, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. I think that what they see is what, like, you know, because I'm telling in a safe space, right. you know, somebody right. that I, that I And that's them, that's them actually saying, wow, that is a lot. Yeah. You know, that's that's a lot for you to have. And to, you'll see them like, they'll right. look, I would have never. Right. And I saw you last night at the baseball game. Like, right. you were in that then? Right. Yeah. What, I mean, what a... What a novel posture to take with friends that you can't relate to that stuff is ask questions. <laughs> right. Wow. What a, what a great idea. I mean, because that's, that's like a signal of I care and I don't know what you're going through. Is there a, and I'm curious what you think of this too, Pat, is there a, a core group of family and close friends that can joke around about this when you're not struggling? Like, can it be a joke? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Which I, I think, think it's, it's, I, I'm happy. Right. I'm happy to do it. And right. I usually start it. Right. 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 <laughs> because when I feel safe and when I am well. Right. And, the, and, that, and I don't have the physical features of not feeling bad any longer. And I'm like, I know um, the thoughts feel a lot and, and yeah. sound illogical and, uh, and sometimes humorous.